Hey, thank you so much for tuning in to this week's sermon podcast at Yarmouth Wesleyan. We hope that you are encouraged by the message that you're about to hear. Uh, And we'd really appreciate uh, if you would subscribe on Apple Music or follow us on Spotify. That really helps us continue uh, to do the work that we are doing. So thanks again for tuning in and enjoy the message. Happy New Year. See, I didn't get a chance. We had, the, we had the staff preach. And usually what happens when the pastor lets the staff preach is they're supposed to, by contract, do a mediocre job. Because that way when I get up, they're like, oh, our real pastor is back. But then lo and behold, didn't Dave and Tom go hit a home run each weekend? And then I walk in here and they're like, oh, you're back. So uh, we're going to rewrite some contracts this year. We're going to move Dave and Tom on to new churches. And I'm going to go recruit me some weak preachers. Because uh, I do not want to be outdone or outshone. Because let's be honest, this is all about me. That's just kind of what we do around here. Uh, We are glad to have you here. We're glad that you would take time to watch or to attend our service. How many of you got new white Christmas socks for Christmas? Dave did. Nobody else got white socks for Christmas? How about a white t-shirt? A white dress shirt? White is out, isn't it? How about a white undershirt? This sermon is hinging on this illustration working. So you have to bear with me. I I don't know what it is, but it's a tradition in our home where Julia buys me white socks. I don't wear white socks very often, but it must be something that her parents did when she was a kid. And so every Christmas I get this package of white socks with a sticker clearly from Winners because she's not going to pay full price for me. And so I get these white socks and I do what you do. I leave them in the package and put them on the shelf in my, in my closet. But I took them out this week and I put them in my sock shelf. And do you know what happens when you put brand new white socks in beside two or three year old white socks? I question to myself, when did I buy yellow socks? And if you've ever bought a new white dress shirt for your suit, if you own suits, people still wear suits, say, I do funerals and weddings, so I still have to own suits. And I'll get a new white shirt and I'll hang it up beside yesteryear's white shirt. I was like, I don't remember buying a yellow shirt. It's funny how the white fades quickly, doesn't it? You don't notice it each laundry load. You don't take the socks out of the shirt and be like, wow, that's, 4% less white than it was last week. But it fades. The same experience happens. Anybody here enjoy renting a new car? Do you like doing anything? (laughs) Like if you can't like renting a new car, go to a Baptist church somewhere else. (laughs) Listen, I love renting a car. I love driving the snot out of a car that I don't own. And I love the whole rental experience, except for when I take the rental car back and I get back into my piece of junk. And I say to myself and to the Lord, how do you let me drive this thing? I do your work, I do your bidding, and you have to drive this old used car. Look at these rental cars, they're so nice. But the thing was, I enjoyed my car until I got into the newer car. My car was great, but I didn't notice that it was slowly aging all around me, day after day, year after year. Julia, all she wanted for Christmas in this year was to take up the 75-year-old linoleum out of our kitchen and to put something new down. 
And so I put that off and put that off and tried to distract her with other things. And, but she finally won, and she's, she's getting her new kitchen floor. And so we took the linoleum out. But my job, because I'm not very handy and I make a mess of everything I touch, I had one simple job to do, was to pull the quarter round up from around the baseboards. Do you know what's behind the quarter round? Have you ever seen how much dirt has collected behind that? And then I made it worse. I moved the fridge. I found the treasure from Oak Island behind there. I moved the fridge. There was puzzle pieces. There was Nerf gun bullets. There was a coin from India that I dare say was from the early 40s. And I found another child hidden back there. Like, have you moved your stuff recently? You don't notice it. You don't see it collecting, but there's a pile of junk behind your fridge and in your couch. Ever moved a couch? Where I went to the eye doctor this week, and they, we did the whole eye test thing, and he puts me up to the little goggles, and he says, how, how does that look? I said, looks like I look how everything looks every day. He goes, click? Like, whoa! Like, all of a sudden, everything I saw was in HD. And he said, Flicks it back, like, oh. He's like, that's what you see every day right now. Flick, and whoa, it popped again. I had my eyes checked five years ago. I'm impressed it was only five years ago. I didn't say I went to the dentist five years ago. I had my eyes checked five years ago. I hadn't noticed that day after day, a little bit at a time, my vision was just getting weaker and weaker and weaker. And it was imperceptible to me until he flipped a few things on the eye doctor stuff. <laughs> and all of a sudden it was like, behold, <laughs> listen, I'm here to preach, not you. Bad enough I have Dave and Tom around. It's funny how quickly your eyes can drift out of focus and how quickly they can come back. You don't notice your white shirt turning yellow. You don't notice your car aging and falling apart one day at a time. You don't notice the junk behind your fridge, behind your, you don't notice these things happening, but they happen all the time. You, you, how many people, don't raise your hand, but how many people have started a diet in 2021 because they looked at that Facebook photo from 2013 and said, oh, the good old days. How do I get back there? And so people come out of 2021, like I will look like that photo once again. And if you will have this thing where I didn't notice I was drifting, I didn't notice things were changing, it was imperceptible to me day after day, but all of a sudden, five or ten years later, we're way off course. All of a sudden, your eyes, your glasses don't work the way they used to. And what we want to do is talk about those kinds of things because we believe that happens to the church. We believe it's so easy, and if we're not careful, the church can get out of focus. The church can start gathering dirt and junk and stuff in the hidden places. It's so easy for what was once new and pristine or on course to drift off course ever so slightly. People around this church and the community still call this church the new church building. The new church building is 21 years old. Some of you weren't even alive when the new church was built. It's like, 21 years? How'd that happen? One day at a time. And it's so easy to lose focus. It's so easy for things to fade and break down and collect junk. And so we wanted to spend a few weeks putting the church on the table and say it's time to refocus a few things. 
It's not that these things are horrible, but if we, if we don't look at them once in a while, they could drift way off course. And so the passage I want to look at tonight, our refocusing passage, is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we're going to dive into verse 14. In, in 2 Corinthians, Paul is writing another letter to the church about the church. If you read 1 Corinthians, it's, it's the same kind of notion where he is writing to a church about the church. Things are getting out of line or things are off course. And, and in, in 2 Corinthians, Paul is writing in verse 5, or chapter 5, about the unity of the church. Unity is a nice word for the church getting along with itself. And in verse 14, this is how he picks up his letter to them. For the love of Christ controls us. I really contemplated preaching the entire sermon from those few words. Imagine on your tombstone if they could write, the love of Christ controlled them. I'm controlled by a lot of things. I wish the love of Christ was one of those things more often. My biases, my preferences, my temper, my mouth, my fill in the blank. To say the love of Christ controls us. It controls us because we have concluded this. And here comes the gospel. That one has died for all, and therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who might no, might no longer live for themselves, but for him, who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, so if the gospel is true, we will, we're going to see everything differently. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. And all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is going to be a refocusing passage for the night. And the part I want to look at is that Paul says there is a reconciling work going on. Now, all fall, we said we were going to preach through gospel stuff. We, we camped out in 1 Corinthians 15 for quite some time. And then we went through the entire biblical narrative over eight weeks, looking at how does this gospel story all fit together? The gospel, the word meaning good news, how does this good news of Jesus, the story of what he did, how does it all fit together? That's, gospel is the word for the story, the good news. Reconciling is the word for the work that Jesus did to make it good news. Does that make sense? If the gospel is the good news of Jesus, the whole thing of what he was up to, the word reconciling is what Jesus did in the gospel. So what's the story? It's the good news. Why is it good news? Because Jesus did some reconciling work. What needed to be reconciled? The word reconciled implies that there has been a severance. There's been a wound to a relationship. There's been a fracture. 
As we walk through our eight weeks, we said to you week one that God made the garden, God made Adam and Eve, God made the world, stepped back and said, it is good. Then chapter three, the enemy comes along and tempts Adam and Eve, and sin comes into the world, and good is fractured. There's been a severance in the relationship. And for the rest of the story, it's about Jesus working to reconcile, to bring those two parties back together, God, who is holy, man who is sinful, and the chasm between us, the reconciling, is bringing peace to those two parties. So when we worship and we sing and we do all the stuff we did in the service, we are declaring worship songs that are about that reconciling work. How does holy God and sinful man have peace? That's what's reconciling. And what he says is, God has been reconciling the world, that's his job, and we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. He does it. You've been given a ministry that participates. I like that focusing that we have been given a ministry. I like that it says you've been given the ministry of reconciliation. He does not say you've been given the ministries of reconciliation. Sometimes around the church, we will talk about the ministries of the church, and people might bump into you or talk to you about your church, and they might say, what kind of stuff do you have going on around there? Stuff is the unchurched word for the ministries. Like, we've got this stuff on Monday night. Well, it's called CR. We've got that ministry. And we've got a worship team. We've got a nursery. And we've got youth night. And we've got this thing over here. And we've got a quilting ministry. And we've got a this. And we kind of list off all of the ministries. But Paul says, as we've been given the ministry, a singular capital M ministry, which is to participate with God to see everyone reconciled to him. And then we have all these little M ministries that are used by God to fuel the singular ministry, which is reconciling. Does that resonate? Which means the church has one job to do. Well, what about missions? That is to reconcile the world to God. Well, what about CR? Well, that is to participate in the freedom of people to be reconciled back to God. We got youth ministry. That is to see youth reconciled and have peace brought back with their heavenly father. Well, the nursery, that is to give peace to the parents. (laughs) As they pursue being reconciled with God. See, what happens in the church, if we're not careful, is that we will get out of focus. We will drift away from the singular ministry that Christ himself gave the church, and we will drift into, we exist to propel our ministries. Like, well, I I hope they never stop CR. I love CR. CR is a tool. It is a tool to be used by God to help in the reconciling work of all mankind. Oh, but I love youth ministry. I hope there's always youth ministry. That's a tool. Well, easy for you to say, Pastor, because you get to preach every Sunday. Now, that's a tool. We do not exist to preach sermons on the weekend. Oh, but I love our band. I love how we do worship. That's a tool. We do these things to participate in the singular ministry that God himself is up to. It's to reconcile all people. 
All these things are subject to that purpose. When they stop fueling the ministry, then they are no longer useful. Like, oh, I remember we had the van ministry. It stopped being useful. (laughs) Oh, the living Christmas tree. It stopped being effective. Oh, this ministry back in the, that was a tool. And if we're not careful, we will start to think we exist to keep these things going and to propel them forever. And if we're not careful, even more so, we, the people who do the ministries like preaching, we get our talons around, like, you'll never take my ministry. You don't own your ministry. You steward your ministry. It is a tool. You steward it. And the minute you think it's no longer useful in what God is up to around the world, let it go. Drop that and replace it with something else. And I think what happened during COVID is for all the things that I don't like about COVID, and there are a lot of them, one of the gifts that God gave, at least I'll claim it for myself, is that I think I was getting a little bit clingy to what we do around here. This is so much fun. I don't know if you understand how much fun this is. I'm having more fun than you are right now. I can tell by the look on some of your faces. (laughs) This is so much fun. There's nothing as fun in ministry, I said fun, I did not say sacred, as fun as preaching to a packed Mariner Center. I got to preach to 2,200 people. That was a lot of fun. And then 90 days, gone. Man, in here on Easter with 550 people packed in this place and kids climbing off the tiles and going crazy, less fun, but pretty fun. Like, oh, this is so awesome. And then it was gone. And then all the pastors started texting each other like, what are we going to do? They've taken our building from us. And one by one, pastors had a choice to decide, do you exist to keep your building open or do you exist to participate in the reconciling work of all mankind? Oh, because I can participate without this building. We baptized more people in the pandemic than all of 2019 added together. God was just showing off. God was trying to tell us, those of us who are trying to listen, I don't need you. I like you, and I'm happy to use you, but I'm not bound by you. This is the reason we exist. So if you're a part of CR, awesome. Use it to see people reconcile back to God. If you're part of youth, awesome. See youth reconcile back to God, but have a discerning eye to say, is this still effective or is the ministry I lead still purposeful because our church is to participate with what God is doing around the world. Agreed? Now here's what happens. If that's true, if we have been given one ministry of which all the ministries fuel into, then that becomes the glue for our unity. See, when I look at our church, we do not need to be unified around our income. We do not need to be unified around our geography. We don't need to be unified around the sports teams we cheer for. We don't need to be unified around this and around that and nationalities and ethnicities. We don't need to be unified around that when our unity is around our purpose. And our purpose is to participate with what God is up to. And so when people say, well, I don't know if I like the pastor. I don't know if I like him either. I'm with you. (laughs) I know him really well. The question is not, do I like the pastor? The question is, is the church on mission? 
Well, that, that song they sang, I didn't really like it. Who cares? Is the church on mission participating with what God is doing around the world? Well, I just wish, me too sometimes. But the question is not, do I wish? The question is, are we unified around the singular mission of which we've been called to do? When I candidated or interviewed at this church, uh, five, actually five years ago, about, about now, I drove down and interviewed to be the pastor here, and then a snowstorm hit, and I was stuck here for a couple days, and just, when I interviewed, uh, we met, and they asked me a few questions, and the, then they said, do you have a question? I said, I just have one. If I come to Yarmouth, if I move to Yarmouth, if I become your pastor, I just have one question, it's this. Could you see yourself being a church that exists to take Jesus into every community of Southwest Nova? That's the only question I asked. I interviewed on the vision because I felt like there's something unique happening here where we could participate with what God is doing in our region. We didn't interview about preaching styles. They didn't ask me about how long would I preach. They didn't ask me about Bible translations. They didn't ask me about how much money I wanted to make. They didn't ask me about any of these issues. We talked about this one singular purpose. Could we be a church that would take Jesus into every community of Southwest Nova? End of discussion. And then I preached about a month later, a few months later. And I preached to you on that subject. Could we be a church that mobilized to see Jesus go into every community? Because when Jesus is in the community, the reconciling work begins. It is not can the Wesleyans get into the community. It's can Jesus get into the community. That's our unity. That's our glue. But the other thing happens too. It's not just that the mission becomes our unity. The mission becomes the filter for our disagreements. And my goodness, is the church good at disagreeing? We are Super Bowl champs at disagreeing. You know why there's denominations, right? You understand why there's all the churches you drive around. Like, you understand how this works. It was not, they're not all out there because the mission got so white hot. It's because it got, got so red hot inside and they fought. And I was raised in the church. Whatever beef you have with the church, I see that and raise you 10. I know churches fight all the time. They fight over chairs or pews, hymns or worship, this or this, this or that. It's just one fight after another if we're not careful. And then you get into the spirit of offense. Well, this person doesn't talk to this person. That person doesn't talk to that person. That person now goes to this church because this person hurt their feet. And I'm not saying the hurts aren't real. I'm just saying if we care to preach the gospel, we better care to live the gospel. I know a lot of people who shake their fist to hear the gospel preached and don't want to live the gospel as passionately. So it's one thing to have this ministry of reconciling work unite us in unity, but it's alter are also our filter for disagreements, which means when the gospel is being preached, when we are participating with the work of reconciliation, we should be fast to forgive. Fast as possible. You've made the walk, right? You've made the walk to someone like, I've got to eat this one. I really messed up. And you're thinking, I wonder how this is going to go. Inside the church, you should always know how it's going to go. Always. You should never go to a Christian like, ah, I've got to eat this one. I hope they forgive me. Of course they'll forgive you. How can you not? 
How can you sit and want the gospel to be preached and to see people baptized, and then when someone comes to forgiveness, deny it? How can I look up here for forgiveness and not extend it this way? If the gospel is being preached, the gospel has to be getting into the culture, which means we resist the spirit of offense. My goodness, Christians are fragile. They're so fragile. We have got to get a little steelier spine going on. We have God Almighty working on our side. And what should be happening is when, when, when I offend you, which may have already happened in this sermon, you should be thinking to yourself, how fast can I forgive him? When somebody in your family offends you, you should be thinking, how fast can I forgive them? If, the gospel, if I want the gospel preached, I want the gospel lived. How fast can I clean up this offense? How fast can we get back on mission? Because the enemy will use the disunity, the wounds to get us off mission. And all of a sudden, churches aren't doing anything except fighting with each other. It's like, boy, we've had a couple of good years of fights. When was the last time you saw a baptism? And so when this ministry gets in focus, it becomes the glue for our unity and the filter for our disagreements. This needs to be back in focus. And so church, wherever you find yourself tonight, here's, here it is. If you are here tonight, you are in one of two camps. You are either here, and I pray that you receive the ministry of reconciliation from Jesus himself. If, if you are here tonight, I pray that God is making his appeal through us. So when the worship team was singing, they weren't looking for this. They're pretty good. Apple Music has better. See, they're not here to perform. They're here to participate. And they're participating in the reconciling work of what God is doing in this room and online. So if you're here tonight, the question is, do you need to receive the reconciling? Are you at peace with your maker? Do you understand what Jesus has done for you and for me on the cross? Have you said, I, man, I, I need that. I'm making a mess of things. Or on the other side of things, you'll talk to people that have everything going their way, but something's not right. You need to receive what Christ has laid down for you. But then the other camp, you're like, yeah, man, salvation is good. I love that worship music. I love declaring this truth. And pastor, best sermon I've heard all year. <laughs> Remind the staff who the preacher is. If you've received it, your question is this. How fast can I get out and to participate in extending the ministry of reconciliation? It's one of two. You're here tonight to learn how to receive it or you're here tonight to learn how to extend it. You have two choices, church. Will you receive it, or will you learn how to extend it to somebody who needs it this week? Jesus, we come before you tonight, and God, I, I love what you are doing in this region. It is a delight to say this with full integrity. I want to be nowhere else. God, you are moving, you are stirring, you are blessing families, you are drawing people to get into scriptures for the first time. You are leading people into freedom and finding forgiveness. And your work of reconciliation is happening. The question is, have we received it for ourselves? 
that you want to do the work not just globally, but personally. And then God, it flips where once we've received it, we learn how to extend it to others. What we have been given, we want to pass on. And so God, would you grow us in our faith? Would you grow us in our understanding of the gospel? Would you quicken our feet to extend forgiveness? Would you put grace on our lips quickly? Would we resist the spirit of offense? God, would you not just help this church to preach the gospel? Would you help this church to live the gospel? Would it be infused into our culture, into every ministry we do? We are here to participate in what you are doing in this region and around the world. And we declare in Jesus' holy name, amen.